Thank you for listening to Understanding Christianity. I'm Pastor Sean Cole. I'm the lead pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Sterling, Colorado. I also serve as an adjunct professor at Colorado Christian University. I appreciate you listening to the podcast today. My family loves to watch American Ninja Warrior. It's kind of one of the things that we wait for on Monday nights. We love the the stories behind the contestants. It's one of the, the cleanest shows on TV. Uh, secretly, I wish I could do a lot of the things that they do, but I'm, I'm probably too old and too weak to do what they do. But we were watching uh, American Ninja Warrior the other night, and they always have the backstory that they give, the expose on, on the contestants. And this one contestant was doing the competition for his mother. And his mother had died of cancer, and he made an interesting comment. He was basically saying that when his mother died, he said she was an angel, and when she went to heaven, uh, another angel got their wings. And so there's a lot of confusion in our culture today about what happens when a person dies, you often hear things like that. Well, you know, another angel got their wings. Uh, she, she's in heaven now as an angel or something of that sort. They're in a better place. Um, oftentimes when I do funerals, uh, we have to work through this with people because sometimes they're not sure exactly where their loved one actually is. And sometimes one of the hardest things I've ever done are those times where I've had to do a funeral of a person that we did not know um, if they were... Um, a believer, and, and oftentimes um, it's very difficult. And so I've done a lot of funerals for people that weren't believers, and so I never give assurance to the family or to those in the audience that that person is in, quote-unquote, a better place or that person is in heaven. Uh, what I normally say is that uh, I say a lot of kind words about the person, obviously, and try to honor that person's life, but normally what I say is something like this. Um, you know, you when you come to a funeral and you deal with the issue of death and dying, all of us are going to die. And so the big question you've got to ask is, are you prepared? Do you know what happens to you after you die? And then I usually go into a gospel presentation. So what I want to do during this podcast today is what I would like to discuss today is uh, the issue of death the intermediate state, the resurrection, what happens when a person dies, where do they go, a lost person, a saved person. I have this question asked a lot. So we're going to try to unpack this question today. Hebrews 9.27 says this, Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That verse packs a punch because it tells us that there is a time for all people to die. It's been destined, and you die once. There's no reincarnation. You don't come back again as something different. You die once, and then after that, there is a judgment and this whole idea of Christ coming a second time, the second coming of Christ. Matthew ten twenty eight, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Ecclesiastes twelve seven, The dust returns to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. So let's just talk about physical death for a moment. Physical death 
is the separation of the soul from the body. Okay, the soul continues to live on after a person physically dies. And so what are the effects of death? For the unbeliever, for the person that does not have faith in Christ, a person who dies without a a trust in Christ alone for salvation, the forgiveness of sins, death for that unbeliever is a curse. It's a penalty. It's an enemy. It's not extinction. I've heard some people say, well, you know, when a person dies, they just cease to exist or they they go up and they kind of sleep in heaven. We'll talk about that in a moment. It's not annihilationism. Uh, We'll talk about that in a moment. I'm kind of throwing out some terms right now, but it's actually eternal separation from God. For the believer, it is a joyous time to be in the presence of God. The Lord, Paul says in Philippians 1, verses 20 through 23, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Death for the believer is gain because you are with Christ. Your soul is with Christ. Revelation 21, 3 through 4, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now, The dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So physical death is the final enemy. It's the curse. It's not the way things were intended to be. In the Garden of Eden, Death was the penalty for Adam and Eve eating from the forbidden tree. And so every single one of us is going to face death as the final enemy. For the unbeliever, for those who are not in Christ, for those who've not trusted Christ alone for salvation, had their sins forgiven, submitted to his lordship, you will die and be separated from God. And death is a curse. Death is a punishment. Death is guilt. For the believer, you will joyously go to be immediately into the presence of the Lord, your Savior. And we call this the intermediate state. The intermediate state or the in-between state. This refers to the condition of human beings between the time that they die and the future resurrection of the dead. Okay, and we'll talk about that in just a few moments because a lot of people ask, well, what, 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 what happens when a person dies? When a person dies, there, there's differences between a believer and unbeliever. I'm, I'm going to explain that. But the intermediate state is basically what's, going, what's a person experiencing right now before the resurrection of the dead on the final day when Christ comes back. For thousands of years, people have died. What's going on with them right now? 
And there have been some, some weird views out there uh, of what describes what is happening right now. One of those is soul sleep. Uh, this is the idea that the soul, during the time of death and future resurrection, basically you're asleep. You're, you're not conscious. You're in a state of unconscious sleep. You're just in a state of sleeping and you're waiting for the resurrection. This is what Seventh-day Adventists believe. This is what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, that a person goes to the grave, to a place called Sheol or Hades, where it sleeps in unconsciousness to await the resurrection. But the Bible does not teach soul sleep. The Bible teaches that once a person dies, they are always conscious of their existence, their soul, wherever they happen to be, whether in in heaven or in Hades or Sheol. Luke chapter 19, or Luke chapter 16, 19 to 31, gives the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Now, we need to be a little bit careful when we deal with parables. Um, Is Jesus in this parable teaching a, a truth about what happens when a person dies? I believe he is. Uh, Sometimes parables are made-up stories that Jesus tells to drive home a point, and this is probably a made-up story, not literally real people, but the truths or the principles or the concepts that Jesus teaches in this parable are absolutely true. So let's read this parable. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores. And longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom, or Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to here. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they did not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Now, what does this passage of Scripture actually teach? Well, it teaches that the righteous go immediately to heaven. There's a metaphor here of Abraham's side or Abraham's bosom. Uh, what is Abraham's bosom? Well, I believe it's, 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 a, it's a metaphor for, for heaven. Um, Old Testament believers as well as New Testament believers, those of us even today, they go into the immediate presence of the Lord. There's a few things we see from this passage of Scripture. There is conscious torment in hell they know what's going on they're able to experience 
things and know what's happening to them. It's not soul sleep. It's not that they've been annihilated. They've ceased to exist. Uh, Those that are in hell know what's happening to them. Also, there is no second chance after death to receive Christ. There's a great chasm. There's a great divide. You cannot cross between here and there. Once you die, once you go to heaven or hell, you can't cross over from one side to another. The, the eternity is fixed. Also, we know that when the thief died on the cross next to Jesus, in Luke chapter twenty three forty three, uh, he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. So, From the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, from the thief on the cross, we can deduce from scriptures that the righteous, those who have have faith in Christ, go immediately to be in the presence of the Lord. Whether that's called paradise, whether that's called heaven, whether that's called Abraham's bosom, they're all metaphors for the same thing of being with Christ. It's conscious, you are consciously your soul is, is there experiencing the joy of the Lord and the presence of Christ. The unrighteous, those that are not believers in Jesus, lost people, their soul goes immediately to hell or Hades where they are experiencing conscious torment separated from God. Now, Roman Catholic theology holds to purgatory. And so maybe you're from a Roman Catholic background and you've you've heard of purgatory and this may be what you kind of have grown up with. Uh, The purgatory view states that purgatory is a place or a condition in the next world between heaven and hell where those who died need to be purified or purged. That's where the Latin word purgatory, purged through suffering until the final judgment. And then once you've suffered enough for your sins, you may be able to enter heaven. And so it's this whole idea of suffering, torment in a place called purgatory or limbo in order to suffer enough for the bad deeds that you did in your life so that you could be counted worthy enough to maybe, before the final resurrection, get into heaven. Now, the question is, where do Roman Catholics get this view from the Scriptures? Well, The answer is they don't get it from the inspired scriptures. They get it from what's called the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha is the non-inspired writings that we as evangelical Protestants don't accept as canonical. And we can go into a whole other discussion about why we don't accept the Apocrypha. Let me just give you just a brief overview that Jesus never quoted from the Apocrypha. New Testament writers never quoted from the Apocrypha. And so we don't view the Apocrypha as being canonical or authoritative while the Roman Catholic Church does. In 2 Maccabees chapter 12, verses 42 through 45, it, it speaks of Judas Maccabees going to the temple with an offering of silver to make atonement for the dead, that they might be delivered from their sin. So from this passage in Maccabees, they have come up with this whole doctrine of, of purgatory. And also, if you, if you look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church, this is exactly a quote from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Quote, all who die in God's grace and friendship, but still imperfectly purified, 
are indeed assured of eternal salvation, but after death they undergo purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. This is somewhat of a disturbing doctrine because what it teaches is an incomplete justification, an incomplete atonement. It basically means that, a, that there, there's a category of a person who was, quote-unquote, in God's good graces, but not totally perfect. And so instead of experiencing the imputed righteousness of Christ to your account, where God can thereby declare you not guilty, and you're in a permanent state of being accepted by God, you could actually die being somewhat good, somewhat in God's good graces, but not enough. And so when you go to purgatory, you need to somehow go through this purification, this purgation process in order to be holy enough to possibly enter heaven. That is basically the idea that you pay for your own sins in purgatory. Christ is robbed of his grace the atonement's insufficient, the imputed righteousness is not enough, and then at the end of the day, if you've gone through this purgation, you can boast when you step foot into heaven that somehow you did enough purification or suffering in purgatory to be able to get to heaven. Another view is annihilationism. This is the whole idea that basically there's no eternal conscious torment in hell, but that you suffer for a short period of time, and then you're simply destroyed. Now, this view does want to uphold God's justice, that the unbelievers do need to suffer for a period for God's justice. They need to suffer a period for their sins, but then after that, God simply destroys them. They are annihilated. They cease to exist. Whereas the Bible teaches eternal conscious torment in hell. There's the second chance after death theory. Um, actually some extreme Arminian theology and even some um, former Southern Baptists back in the day have espoused this. Uh, Clark Pinnock, who is kind of the father of open theism and extreme Arminianism. The late Southern Baptist theologian Dale Moody um, in the 60s and 70s, who was extremely liberal, um, quote, there is no suggestion that the unsaved dead had a second chance. But it is possible that they were given a first chance even after death. It is difficult to believe that God would leave men forever in hell simply because they never had a chance to hear the gospel. There is hope of an opportunity to accept Christ's salvation after death based upon the reasonable assumption that God would not reject the perishing sinners whom he loves without ever knowing what the response to his grace would be. Now here's the issue. There is no soul sleep according to the scriptures. There is no annihilationism, according to the scriptures. There is no purgatory, according to the scriptures. And there is no second chance after death, according to the scriptures. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts four twelve. there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So, the, the, the majority view in Orthodox Christian history has been that there will be endless conscious existence of the souls of believers and unbelievers after death in either a state of blessedness in heaven or in torment in hell. 
immediately at death, the saved person, apart from the body, goes to be directly with Christ in heaven. The soul immediately goes into the presence of Christ in heaven. At death, the moment of death, the souls of the unrighteous, of a lost person, of of an unsaved person, they are immediately into the presence of hell, separated from the presence of of the Lord, and they will experience conscious suffering. So, the souls of Christians go immediately to be with Jesus in heaven right now. The souls of unbelievers go immediately to hell, awaiting final judgment where they will finally be cast into the lake of fire. Now listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 1-10 through 10, because I think he sums up this whole idea of experiencing the joy of being apart from the body and being in the presence of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 1-10. through 10. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heaven. For in, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would further be clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Paul here says that we would rather be away from the body so that we would be at home with the Lord. So when you die, your body, your dead body, basically you're either cremated, you're put into a coffin, maybe you died at sea as a soldier, or maybe you died in a fire. However you died, your physical body is perishing in in the earth or in the water or wherever it is. But your soul immediately goes home to be with the Lord. Now, so right now in heaven, the souls of all believers are experiencing the joy of the Lord as their salvation. Now, they don't have a body yet. Why do they not have a body yet? Because there has not been the final resurrection of the dead where we receive our new bodies. So right now in heaven, if you have a loved one or if a person that you, that you love has died and gone to heaven, their soul is in heaven right now, fully conscious, fully joyful in the presence of the Lord. They are at home with the Lord in complete joy, no more crying, no more mourning, no more sorrow. But they don't have a body yet. They're a soul because the resurrection hasn't happened. There will be a final resurrection Isaiah twenty six nineteen. it's prophesied in the Old Testament, but your dead will live, their bodies will rise, you who dwell in the dust, wake up and shout for joy, 
Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. This whole idea of those who dwell in the dust will, will rise again. Daniel twelve twelve. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life. Others to shame and everlasting contempt. Okay, this is the clearest Old Testament passage that teaches that there is a physical resurrection from the dead of the righteous and the unrighteous. So it is a bodily resurrection. It is the bodily resurrection. Just like Jesus was raised from the dead, all people will experience a bodily resurrection on the final day. Romans 8, 8, 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await for our adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6, 14. By His power, God raised from the Lord the Lord from the dead and He will raise us also from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 57. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. At a moment, at a twinkling of the eye, we will be changed. We will be raised at the final resurrection. And so what it is, is it's a uniting of the new glorified body with our soul that's already in heaven. And so it's a reuniting of the body and soul so that we can live in the new heavens and the new earth in a physical glorified body. Now, this is, this is just exactly the same thing that, that, that Jesus went through. When Jesus rose from the grave, he rose bodily, physically. So Jesus is in heaven right now with a physical body. And so right now, the souls of those who have died are only souls in heaven right now. They don't have their glorified bodies. But on that final day, on the final trumpet, in a twinkling of an eye, when Christ comes back, there will be the final resurrection when those who are in the dust will be raised to new life and your body will be reunited with your soul so that you as a believer can live in the physical new heavens and new earth in a glorified body a perfect body but not only will christians be resurrection resurrected but non-christians as well those who do not have christ as their savior they will be raised as well jesus says in john 5 28 through 29 do not be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out those who have done good will rise to live and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned The righteous will rise to face heaven. The unrighteous will rise to face judgment and be condemned. Acts 24, 15. And I have the same hope in God as these men that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Revelation 20, 13 through 15. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. 
and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were both thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, the resurrection for the believer is an act of redemption, an act of deliverance, an act of grace, where we receive the glorified body that God has promised us. And so our new glorified changed body, I don't know how this is all going to happen because it hasn't happened yet. The Bible doesn't give a lot of details. It just says in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be changed. Our new bodies will be resurrected and will be reunited with our souls that are already in heaven because we're, when you die, remember, when you die, you immediately, your soul immediately goes to heaven to experience the full joy of being in the presence of the Lord. So you're always going to be in the presence of the Lord. Just at the resurrection, you're going to have a body and to be able to live forever in that glorified body in the new heavens and the new earth. For the unbeliever, for the lost person, for the person that hasn't trusted Christ for salvation, it's an act of justice. It's an act of judgment you will be judged in your body for the deeds that you did in your body. So your soul that's been tormented in hell will be reunited to your body. You will face the judgment and then you will be cast into the lake of fire in a body where you will experience eternal conscious torment. So there's an urgency to make sure you know your eternal destiny you do not know if you have another breath you do not know how god has ordained your days and so if you're listening to this have you repented of your sins have you confessed your sins have you owned up to your sins and turned and trusted placed all of your trust all of your hope all of your life directly into christ jesus alone to be the only one to save you, the only one who can forgive you, the only one who can deliver you from that judgment. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you call upon the name of the Lord? Would you trust in Jesus Christ alone to be your Lord and Savior so that you can have the assurance that when you die, you'll be away from the body, but you'll be at home with the Lord. You'll be in the joyous presence of the Lord that you will experience that final resurrection where you'll receive that glorified body to be able to live forever in the new heavens and the new earth with Christ forever and the joy of heaven as opposed to being raised to face judgment and being cast into the lake of fire where there's eternal conscious torment. I don't want anybody to have to experience that reality. So if you're under the sound of my voice listening, would you repent and believe in Jesus Christ alone to save you from your sins? Well, I thank you for listening to Understanding Christianity. It's been a joy to be able to do these podcasts. Um, I'm going to be traveling in the next few days to take my son back to California. He's going back to California Baptist University in Riverside, California. All of our fall activities are starting back up at the church in a couple of weeks. And so I'm going to be doing a new Wednesday night teaching series on the Ten Commandments, understanding the Ten Commandments, understanding law and gospel. How does, how does Christ transform the Ten Commandments? So uh, you can be anxiously awaiting those that will be up on the podcast. 
Also, I will be continuing to preach through the Gospel of John. We'll dive into John chapter 17 and look at the high priestly prayer of Jesus and and look at all the wonderful theology and and worship that we have in that passage of Scripture. If you do us a favor and go on iTunes and give us a review and rating positively, that would really help us get the word out about this podcast. And you can go to Facebook. There's a Facebook group. Uh, page for Understanding Christianity, where all of the, these things are posted. Uh, you can go to seancole.net to find all my other contact information and other past podcasts and other media there as well. Well, I thank you for listening to Understanding Christianity. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, and would you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus.